And, um, you know, I, uh, you know, when I, before I received Jesus, you know, I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, lying, cheating, womanizing, awful human being. I basically did everything but smoke cigarettes. I smoked everything else. Um, uh, and I, uh, you know, was spiritually dead on the inside. I was miserable, ready to kill myself, hated myself, hated my life, did not believe in God, and was in a really rough place. And then Jesus came into my life, and I got saved. And um, my life immediately just, you know, there was just this place of relationship with the Lord that was beautiful. Like, I was rough around the edges. Um, you know, I remember I, I always talk about this, but I used to pray over my food at the factory that I worked in at the time when I first got saved. I'd drop F-bombs all day long and then pray over my food in the break room, probably confusing everybody. <laughs> but how many know that God, God receives you as you are, right? And, um, and so in the beginning, my relationship with the Lord was like, it was awesome. Like it was this beautiful place of relationship and, and I was just, you know, getting to know his presence and hearing his voice. And I mean, it was, relationship was sweet. And, and then I started going to church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, the initially it was good. But then, how I many you know, if the enemy can't keep you spiritually dead and keep you from receiving from the Lord, he wants to usher you into a place of legalism where you're not really having a relationship with the Lord. You're trying to earn things from God. You're trying to earn blessing. You're trying to earn love. You're trying to... How I many you know there's nothing you can earn from God? How I many it's all free through Jesus? It's not for sale. You can't perform it. How I many know there's nobody in this room any better than anybody else? How I many you know no one in here has more of a right to God than anybody else? If you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're right with God, and you're just as right with God as the person sitting next to you that has received Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so... Um, there's no pyramid scheme in the kingdom of God. There's no place of somebody being better than somebody else. We're a family. Can I get an amen? We're a family, right? And so, um, and so if the enemy can't stop you from getting saved, once you get saved, he wants to, he wants to put you through legalism where, uh, you know, how many know in Jesus' day, it wasn't the prostitutes that were trying to kill him. It wasn't the, the gluttons and, and, and the drunkards that were trying to kill him and the tax collectors. I mean, it was the religious people. And uh, the religious people were the ones that called for the, for the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, the Romans didn't even want to do it. Pilate didn't want to kill Jesus. The religious people wanted to kill Jesus. So, I mean, you know, just because somebody has a, 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 a fish on the back of their car doesn't mean they're doing things right, right? or wearing a Christian t-shirt or whatever, and I'm not disparaging towards those people. I mean, you know, it's sad that the Pharisees and Sadducees who had served God their whole life didn't know the Messiah when he came. It's actually kind of sad, really. These guys had served God their whole life, and then when God came, they wanted to kill him. And so what shows me is that they served God, but they didn't really know him. They weren't in a place of relationship. They were kind of like working for him, and they were trying to perform for him, but they didn't know him. And so legalism... Um, and, and at its very core, it's trying to be good enough to control God. You know, you're going to be so good that you're going to make God bless you. You're going to be so good that you're going to get the double portion anointing. It's all about, legalism is actually all about you and what you can do. And so that's where the Pharisees and Sadducees were at. That's, that was their approach, and they were ready to kill the Messiah. So me, when I first got saved, I had this sweet relationship with the Lord based on grace because the only way you come to the Lord is through grace. You can't come any other way. I didn't have anything to give him. I didn't have anything to bring. I just brought my big stinking pile of poo, which was myself. And he took that poo, nailed it to the cross, 
and then gave me a new life. And, and so I came by grace because that's the only way we can come. But then I spent years learning how to try to be good enough to get God to love me or get God to bless me or um, try to get an anointing on my life. It's amazing how many different conferences I went to to try to get anointed. I remember one time I went to a Benny Hinn uh, conference, and I had fasted like 21 days, and, and I went in there, and I was going to get the anointing. I was going to get the anointing. I had to get near Benny. Jesus wasn't enough for me. I needed Benny, right? Nothing against him or his giftings, but how many know you don't have to chase a human being to get what God's given you? Like, I was trying to get an anointing I actually already had. Now, thank God for, his, for the gifts in the body of Christ. Thank God for leaders. I don't speak disparagingly about that. But I went to that whole conference. I managed to get up on the stage. He laid hands on me. I was all dramatic and flew out and all that type of stuff. But, but my strongest encounter with the presence of the Lord wasn't in the conference. It was actually, it's going to be difficult for you to hold that cute little dog. I'm just telling you right now because everybody wants to stare at the dog. <laughs> it's okay. The dog's just cuter than I am. Hey Amen. It's okay. Um, but, but my experience was that I was trying to get something that I already had. Y'all tracking me here. I was trying to earn something that had already been given to me for free. And so legalism came into my life and I spent about 14 years in legalism. And I'll be honest with you, you almost killed me. It was in some ways it was harder on me than the drug addiction and the alcoholism was because outwardly it looked good, but inwardly it was killing me. The harder I worked for God, the less I feel like I deserved him. The harder I worked for God, the less I feel like he loved me. And it brought me to a place where it was destroying my marriage. It was destroying me. It was destroying my children. How many legalism kills? It's a destructive thing, right? And so the enemy, if he can't keep you from getting saved, once he gets you saved, he wants to try to turn you into a Pharisee or Sadducee. So you go around in, in a state of self-righteousness trying to act like you're better than everybody else, but on the inside, you never feel like you're good enough, you never feel like you're loved, and you spend all your days competing against other Christians trying to outdo them. That's not love. That's not the kingdom. It's actually, like Jesus said, it's full of dead man's bones. It looks good outwardly, but it's full of death. And so then I had this encounter with the gospel where I heard the gospel afresh and anew, and I kind of got like reintroduced to Jesus. And I had this encounter with the Lord through the gospel, and then all of that heavy legalism just dropped off of my life, and I returned back to my first love. I came back to the cross. I came back to grace. And my relationship with the Lord began to flourish. My relationship with my wife began to flourish. I became a better husband. I became um, a better father. You know, life started to flow in me again because that heavy yoke of legalism was taken off of me. But how many know the enemy's still coming for me? And how many know just because you hear the gospel don't mean he's still not? I mean, he never, he, one thing I'll give him, he's dumb as a box of rocks, but he's relentless. He never, I guess he doesn't have anything else to do. And so if he can't, so then he's going to try to bring in legalism again. Amen. And, but I, I got pretty good at staying away from legalism. But what I want to show you today is the way the enemy tries to use grace to, against you to rob you of relationship. Because there's another facet of, of if the enemy can't stop you from getting saved and he can't contain you in legalism and he can't pour legalism the fresh water of the gospel, then he'll try to use grace against you to rob you of relationship. And that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. And um, in, in Peter, I left my bag at home. I brought the canopy. I left my iPad at home. So I got to be like this on my wife's phone. But we can do all things through Christ. Amen. So 1 Peter chapter 3 um, 
There, there's a statement, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 3, there's a statement made here that Peter makes about Paul's teachings. And it's one of the most interesting statements to me in Scripture because this is what he says, 2 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 16, he says, as also in, in all his epistles, talking about Paul, speaking of them, these things, in which some things are hard to be understood, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, he's saying here that there's some things that Paul taught, and how many know the revelation of grace was, was peculiarly given to Paul through the Lord? And he said some people don't understand this, and as a result, it's bringing, uh, the word that he uses is destruction into their lives. And how I many you know some people have gotten a hold of grace, but we've seen some not so good things come out of their life. So this isn't something new. This was something that happened then, right? How I many you know some people can use grace as a license to sin? They can. How I many you know they can use it as a cloak of maliciousness? They can, they can use their liberty for an occasion to the flesh. And here's the thing, I want to tell you something. I've done that. I've done that. Because when you come out of slavery, legalism, and then you step into freedom, and the only thing that's ever motivate you, motivated you is fear of hell and trying to make sure you weren't cursed and trying to make sure that you were blessed, and all of a sudden you get set free, how I many you know you're trying to figure out how to navigate this thing? And so I've had a season when there was some rebellion in my life. But I want, to, I want to show you something. It's okay because as God keeps His grace around you and keeps you in that place of freedom, how many know the grace of God will teach you how to deny ungodliness, according to Titus? And I'm in a different place now than I was then, and it's brought forth greater maturity into my life. But when you give someone freedom that hasn't known it, sometimes they abuse it. My dog is a great example. Let's talk about my dog. Let's talk about something good about my dog, okay? In the past, if my dog was out in the front, like, he, he, he gone, you know? He's gone, he's gone. Why? Because he's always in the front of the house, excuse me. He's never, he's always in the house or in the backyard. And so when he gets out front, we can't trust him because he doesn't know how to freedom. Well, through a series of allowing him to be out front where there's no fence and there's no containment and plenty of Cheetos, <laughs> amen, we have taught him, so now I can have him out front, and he don't run off. He just lay, he just lay right there. Why? Because he knows this is where he's fed. This is where the good stuff is. These are the people that love him, and this is where he's safe. This is where his bed's at. So as he has learned how to navigate freedom, freedom is no longer a place of rebellion to him. He, can, he has now matured to where I can have him out front playing with the kids, and he doesn't run off. Right. So with the grace of God, how many of the grace of God brings a sense of freedom into your life? Let's just nail down what it is real quick. This is the message of the gospel to you. It is this, that God loves you. He's never not loved you. He's not disappointed in you. Um, he has always loved you. And he has taken all of your sin, your past sin, your present sin, and your future sin, and he's nailed it to the cross, and he's given you an eternal forgiveness that he's not going to give back. And it's not a forgiveness based upon your church attendance or your giving or, your, or, your, or the things that you do for God. It is a forgiveness based upon the fact that you are now a different person. You're a new creation. 
You've been joined as one spirit to the Lord. You are a new creation in Christ. Can I get an amen? That's where your forgiveness comes from. It's not the product of what you do. It's the product of who you believe in. Once you believe in Jesus, you step into him, and now you have a new identity. Amen? Your, your, your standing with God is not based on your conduct. It's based on a person. I mean, the thief on the cross couldn't do one good deed, and yet salvation was given to him. Why? Because he did the one thing that God wants. He believed. Can I get an amen? And so the, 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 the good news of the gospel is this. God loves you, and you're forgiven, and you've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. I don't got to go to a conference to get blessed. I don't got to get hands laid on me by some man of God or woman of God to get blessed. I have everything already. I'm in a state of being past tense blessed. I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I didn't pay for it. It was free by the blood of the Lamb. Can I get an amen? It's good news, right? And he's never taken that back. So that is the reality of the grace of God, the new covenant's based on grace. God blesses you first. You're not trying to get blessed. God blesses you first. I mean, no, you can't give what you haven't received. I did not know how to love until God could teach me how to love myself. And as the grace of God has poured the love of God in me, it has made me a more loving person because now I've received something worthy of giving away. I now know how to receive love from the Lord that I didn't earn or deserve. You know what it does? It actually makes me more loving to everybody around me. Amen? And so that's what grace comes to do. And it also says that every promise in the Bible is yours. All the promises in Him are yes and amen, right? It's not just for the preacher. It's not just for the second or third row people. How many know it's from the front to the back all over the earth? Can I get an amen? Jesus Christ. Amen? It's good news. And the news is so good and so rarely preached that it's a little bit, uh, it's, a, it's a kind of hard to believe. And God said that it would be that way. He said, I'm going to do a work in your day that's so good that you're, you're going to have a hard time believing it. But yet, here we are. Amen? And so this is what's been given to us now, right? So now, as I learn how to enjoy this freedom, there's a place of navigating that freedom, right? And I learn how to do it. And so what is being said in the Scripture it's saying that there are some untaught and unstable people. Now, that doesn't mean they're bad people. It means they don't understand, and they're not established in it. That's all. And how I many know it takes time to get established in grace? I would dare say it's one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life. Why? Because it's contrary to everything else. There's not one religion on this planet based on grace. None of them. They're all based on works. Most of Christianity is based on works. Your job ain't based on grace. School's not based on grace. Sports aren't based on grace. Most relationships aren't based on grace. And here comes God with this grace. And he said, I'm going to flip everything, and it's going to be the opposite. I come to love you just as you are. I come to bless you just as you are. Now, my love and my blessing will change you. and It'll turn you into who I created you to be, not who the world says that you are. Can I get an amen? But it, it takes time to grow up in liberty. You can get a quicker result in legalism. You can scare people into obedience. You can guilt them into giving. You can do all these things, but it's not based on true relationship. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what God wants, his relationship. He wants your heart. If he can have your heart, then your conduct will follow. But if you don't trust him with your heart, uh, then, then you may act good around the right people, but behind closed doors you're not acting good at all because it's not coming from your heart. Because it's not a place of relationship. And so this grace has come, but yet it can be misunderstood and it can be abused, right? 
And, 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 and I've personally experienced, anybody else experienced that as you've come out of legalism? Can we be honest for a little bit, right? We've, we've experienced that, and it's okay. It's a part of growing up, amen? And so, but what the, the Scripture says in, in Romans uh, 5.17, you have to turn there, we talk about it all the time, but it says, they which receive an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That word reign is the word basilio. It means to reign as a king. It means winning. How many of y'all want to win on earth? See, when you're winning, the devil's not winning. When you're winning, sickness isn't winning, poverty isn't winning, sin isn't winning. You're called to reign in this life. Not just Next life's going to be easy to reign in because the enemies are going to be gone. This life is where I need the strength to tread on serpents. Can I get an, You know what I'm saying? To tread on temptation, to overcome. And so the grace of God has come to empower us to win. So we receive an abundance of it. And we receive the gift of righteousness, and then we're invited into this place of displaying to the world the glorious liberty of God. One of the things I've noticed in the season that we're in is the shine has been turned up. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? People are drawn to us right now. I'm talking about like unbelievers. Like evangelism right now has been absolutely effortless. Why? Because there's a shine that's going on. Why? Because the darkness is so thick out there. How many you know Isaiah chapter 60? Arise, shine, for your light has come. The darkness has covered the earth. Gross darkness has covered the people. But they're going to come to you. Amen? And that's going to continue. But a part of them coming to us is us staying in a place of not entertaining condemnation, receiving grace, receiving this beautiful gift of righteousness, and enjoying it so that we can display this glorious liberty to a lost and dying world. And we can let them know there's safety in Jesus. There's an ark. There is a place of safety. And so, um, now let's turn to Romans chapter 5, please. And we're going to eventually get to why I have some big canopy in the church today. But I, I love to make things simple. I love to make things visual um, to, to help people to understand. But in Romans chapter 5 and in verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith, into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, how many know we're no longer under the law? We are now under grace, right? And so what does that mean? Well, because of the fact that you're no longer under the law, sin is no longer being imputed to you in the form of judgment and punishment, according to Romans chapter 4. Because you're born again, because you're a child of God, you're no longer under the law, and there's no longer a pointed finger at you pointing out your sin to condemn you and to punish you. Let me say something right now. You cannot pay the price for your sin. You trying to pay for your sin is the most self-righteous and slap in the face to the cross that you could possibly do. Do do not try to, you can't, we can't pay for our sin. It was too expensive. Somebody paid for your sin. I mean, if I bought you lunch and you fought me to try to buy lunch after I already bought lunch, you're insulting my gift. How many children of God are trying to pay for sin that's already been paid for? Your deeds can't pay for the sin. Your giving can't pay for the sin. In fact, everything that you try to do to pay for your sin is called a dead work. It stinks. Why? Because it's void of faith and it insults the finished work of the cross. Listen, you're forgiven. 
You don't have to come to church to be forgiven. You don't have to give to be forgiven. You don't have to evangelize or pray to be. Now, you must believe in Jesus in order to be forgiven. Can't get an amen. How many of us say it's by faith that we enter into this grace, right? So you believe, and then you enter in, and then you live in this state of forgiveness, right? And so you are no longer under the law, according to Romans chapter 4. What does that mean? Sin's not going to be imputed to you any longer. You're not going to be judged for sin because someone else had taken the condemnation for sin in his body on the cross. Now, I'm not saying there aren't repercussions for doing dumb stuff. You do dumb stuff, God's not punishing you, you are. Right? How many of sin will punish you for sin? Sin still breeds death. It's death. It's packaged death. When you step into it, it's going to kill something. You stay with it long enough, and it'll kill you. And you go to heaven way too fast. Because sin produces death. So I'm not absolving you from responsibility for your behavior, but what I am saying is this. When you make a mistake, God doesn't switch teams and stop being on your side. When you make a mistake, God's still for you. In fact, if God's not for you, then who in the world is going to help you? You? Me? I, I can't help. We can't. We, we can't. I was talking to somebody the other day who has a bunch of cattle, and I was, in, I was trying to explain some things to him. And I was like, what would that cattle do without you? And they'd be like, die. I was like, that's how we're designed. We are created with the need for rescue. We are sheep. We must be rescued by the shepherd. Amen? And so God does not give up on you when you fail. In fact, he'll come rescue you. Have y'all ever seen God rescue you from, from uh, some of the consequences of your mistakes? I've seen God do amazing things. He'll, he'll help you out, man. So... When you make a mistake, God is not punishing you for sin. I mean, oh, you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap from the, you reap of the flesh, right? So there are consequences for bad decisions, but you're no longer under the law. How I many know oh, now you're under grace? You have a canopy of grace over your life. What does that mean? God's not imputing sin towards you. God's blessing you. God's, God is keeping you in eternal state of forgiveness, and he, and now listen, this canopy of grace, this place that we're talking about, into this grace in which we stand. Pretend like this is the grace that we're under. I'm standing in grace. You know what this means? I get what Jesus deserves. Amazing thing, isn't it? How many of Jesus got what I deserved? Jesus got what you deserved. It's the great exchange on the cross. He that knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. He got what I deserve on the cross. Now God wants to give you what He deserves. How I many you know He deserves everything? You think Jesus deserves healing? You think Jesus deserves provision, protection, wisdom? How I many He deserves all those things? That's what it means to pray in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name is not the enter button on your prayer. It's saying, I'm praying as if I am in Christ. I'm approaching the throne as if I am in Christ. All the promises in, in him are yes and amen. Can I, can I get an amen? Right? Yes. So you get what Jesus deserves. Now, how I many you know it's going to take some audacity and boldness for you to claim what Jesus deserves? You know what it's going to take? It's going to take you stop focusing on you. As long as you look at you, you're going to look at what you qualify for and are not qualified for. As long as you're looking at you, you're going to compare yourself with somebody else. Don't look at you. Look at Jesus. 
and think to yourself, I'm a son of God, I'm a child of God, I'm a daughter of God, I'm in Christ, I get what Jesus deserves. I mean, oh, that's great. Isn't that wonderful news, right? But I mean, it's a challenge to believe, so you got to keep hearing it so you have the audacity to believe it so that you can receive it. Amen. Like, I, don't, I, I want everything he paid for. Every single promise in the book is yours. Every single one. Past, I'm talking old covenant promises. New. He said it's a better covenant established on better promises. He takes the old and the new and folds it together and gives it all to you. And if you'll have, I mean, I'm talking from the tiniest little thing to the biggest thing, if you have the audacity. How many of you know God loves faith? It pleases him. He said, hey, somebody thinks I'm good. What you want? <laughs> what you want? Over and over again in Scripture. I mean, I was just learning about these daughters that said, hey, we, we want sons like, we want inheritance like sons. And, and, and God was like, okay. <laughs> Jabez said, hey, increase me, Lord, bless me. God was like, okay. You're never going to see anybody come to God and God say, that's too big a prayer, that's too much. In fact, you see the opposite. You see when somebody's got the guts to go in and take what God has, it pleases the Lord. That's why David was a man after God's own heart. I love David's attitude. David's like, look, I killed somebody and committed adultery. I have a child out of wedlock. I'm in a bad place, but I'm going to fast and pray because God might change his mind because I know how good he is. Now, he still had a repercussion because he was under the old covenant, but yet the Lord still brought Solomon through the womb of Bathsheba. Because that's how good God is. Y'all tracking me here? God's like, look, I'm so good. Just how good do you think I am? <laughs> I'm telling you. I just And here's the thing. I don't know about y'all, but I need the goodness of Almighty God in this world. You know what I'm saying? This world is tough. I, want, I need what God... I, you ever bought somebody something and they didn't use it? And it bugged you because you bought it for them? My, my mom's... I mean, I... Bought her a GPS, multiple cell phones. They use none of them. And it bugs me, right? Because, like, I bought her a nice GPS. Like, and they get lost all the time. I'm like, I bought you a GPS. Please use it, you know? But how many know what Jesus bought for you is more than what anyone's ever bought for you? Let's not insult the cross feeling unworthy. Amen? I mean, you know, if he made us worthy, let, let, let's, let's, let's enjoy what he paid for. That glorifies God. Amen. David said, you know, I'm going to glorify the Lord. I'm going to take the cup of salvation. I'm going to drink it down. Amen. We need more of that in the body of Christ. And, and so all that being said, under grace, right? Now, let's turn to um, uh, Philippians chapter 3, please. And I, and I just want to tell you, so under grace, under grace in Christ, like this canopy, would represent being in Christ. And, and how many of you, there's no condemnation under here? Remember how last week we were talking about, where'd the poison go? <laughs> Amen. This is a real can of poison, right? I talked on it last week. It represents condemnation. We don't want no condemnation in our life. We'll be serving Kool-Aid after church if you're interested. <laughs> I love my bad jokes. <laughs> Some people do, but my wife just looks at me like, <laughs> yeah, but under here, how many know there's no condemnation? Can I get an amen? Now, how many know outside of Christ there is condemnation? It's everywhere. It's the very next verse in John three sixteen, and I'm gonna read it to you real quick. It says, 
We who believe in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he is not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I mean, condemnation's all over the earth. Outside of the canopy, they're, they're condemned because of the fall of man. Now, God's invited everyone under the canopy, but only those that believe will come. You've got to believe in Jesus. Somebody messaged me the other night and asked me about stuff. And, I mean, you know, people want to find salvation some other way than Jesus. Well, they were, he's a good person. I'm a good person. I'm just like, I'm sorry. It don't work, man. I mean, you know, this stuff ain't about being good and bad. It's about being alive or dead. We spent so much time preaching moralism, we didn't realize it actually is not about being good or bad. God didn't come to make people good. God came to make dead people alive. And so in here, I'm alive, right? And now I'm born again, and I'm under grace, and there's no condemnation. Now, how many of you know if I believe the lie of condemnation, how many of you know condemnation can still get me in my experience? But listen to me. It don't come from God. For God to condemn me, he would have to say his son's work was a failure. How I many of God's not going to do that? Did Jesus do a good job? Yes. Does God honor the work of the cross? Yes. When I go to heaven, my sin won't be remembered. When I go to heaven and stand before the almighty throne of God, I'll have some boldness. You know why? Because as he is, so am I in this world. I didn't walk up there on my own. I was seated there because of my Savior. And so when I throw my crown at his feet, it's his crown, not mine. I mean, you know, if he does all the work, he gets all the credit. And that's kind of how it works. I don't get no credit. I don't get to brag. I don't get to act like I'm better than anybody else. I just get to receive and be thankful and invite other people into that place of receiving. And so, but now Philippians chapter 3 here. Now, listen, Grant preached very much along these lines about two weeks ago. The purpose of this grace canopy listen to me, is relationship. Relationship. I mean, that's what God wants. God don't want to just bless you. God don't just want to give you stuff, although He loves to bless you and protect you and keep you. How many know He knows the best part of life is knowing Him? And it really is. There's intimate relationship with the Lord is the best thing earth has to offer. It's better than money, it's better than cars, it's better than gold, it's better than sex, it's better than popularity, it's better than anything this world has to offer is spirit-to-spirit fellowship with the Creator. It's been provi- It's better than food, it's better than drugs, better than anything. How many of you know the enemy is always trying to make it seem like he can offer you life? Oh, you just need more of this or more of that or more of that. How many of you eat that stuff and it don't satisfy you? Anybody notice that? The only thing that satisfies you is the Lord. And, and so this, the purpose of this place, this place of grace, is relationship. But how do you know you can get a revelation of grace and not have relationship with the Lord? And that's where the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Because if you have a concept of grace in your mind but are not in fellowship with the Lord, you can, be in a, you can end up in a bad place. Oh, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. I can do whatever I want. You can. God's never going to stop loving you or forgiving you, but you can die early. You can destroy your marriage. You can destroy your finances. You can destroy your ministry. Your church will shut down. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like death, 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 death. The, the sin still produces death. It's death, man. It's packaged death. 
But God's like, I gave you this place of forgiveness not so you could not know me, but so you could know me. Y'all tracking me here? But so the enemy, if he can't keep you in legalism, if he can't keep you unsaved and he can't contain you in legalism, he'll try to get you over into a concept of grace where forgiveness becomes a cloak of maliciousness and then you live a carnal life under a banner of grace without relationship with the Lord. And that is a dangerous place. And so um, Philippians, it says, and I'm going to read this to you because I'm talking about relationship here. It says, but what things were gained to me... Oh, I'm sorry. Philippians chapter 3. Thank you. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. It's so hard for me to see this. Gosh, it's so small. It's insane. I don't, I'm trying. I'm like, I'm like making it big and then floating across. It's all good. It says, Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. Paul speaking here. He says, but what things were gained to me... These have I have counted lost for Christ, yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. How many you know that, that when you're trying to earn your standing with God, you're not going to know Him? What are you talking about? Let me give you another quick example real quick to make this so clear to you. And we use this because it's so good. You know, uh, legalism will keep you trapped on the ladder. I just got to try a little bit harder. I just got to do a little bit more, and then I can get closer to the Lord, and God will love me more, and God will bless me more. And what we talked about in times past is, how many know you're not on a ladder rung? How many know when you get born again, you start at the top? How many know you're a finished product in the eyes of God? How many know you can't get more right with God than you are right now? And you can't get less right with God than you are right now? Right? You're not trying to earn it. But Paul, how many of Paul had spent his life earning it? He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had done this. He had done that. Circumcised the eighth day. Hebrew of the Hebrews. He had all of these things. How many know you've got to kick the ladder over to enjoy and win Christ? What I do doesn't matter. What he does matters. That's how I know him. You tracking me here? And then my good deeds will come out of being loved by Him. And I want to live a life that glorifies His name. I want to honor Him. I want to direct people to Him. I'm not trying to climb a ladder to get something that was already given to me when I got born again. Amen? And so, and then this is what he says. He says that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, not having my own right standing, which is from the law, which is from my conduct, which is from what I do, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. How I many of oh, that's what the gospel gives you? I'm right with God. Right? Not earning it. It's His righteousness. He gave it to me. And then it goes on to say, that I may know Him. Ladies and gentlemen, this is where relationship happens. When I sit down with the Lord... He receives me just the way I am. He loves me just the way I am. I don't have to pretend like I'm something I'm not. I can be comfortable in His presence. I can come with stinky breath, bad breath, bad attitude, mistakes, garbage, baggage, and sit down with Jesus Christ and get to know Him. See, that's how I started my relationship with the Lord. I wasn't out trying to do, I wasn't trying to prove anything to God. I started in grace. And you know what? He spoke to me, and I knew him, and I had a relationship with him. But when you go into legalism, it, it, it removes you out of a place of relationship and puts you into a place of works. 
But the reason that this is here is that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being uh, conformed to His death. What is that talking about? How many know that you fellowship with His sufferings by real... How many know He became a curse to redeem you from the curse? How many know by His stripes you were healed? You know the way I fellowship with His suffering? He suffered so I don't have to. Now, I'm not saying there's not suffering, because there is. There's persecution. There's challenges in this life. But there's no place where God called you to suffer sickness and disease. Jesus suffered so you don't have to. They gambled for his clothes and robbed him so you don't, so you don't have to be robbed. He went through uh, mental pressure in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, sweating great drops of blood so that we can be healed from mental illness. Can I get an amen? Every time blood was spilled, redemption happened, and the fellowship of his sufferings is this. He suffered so I don't have to. He paid for sin so I don't have to. Can I get an amen? That's how you fellowship, right? With the Lord. But the, the primary thing is this, that I may know him. The reason this place of grace is created is for relationship. Not an excuse for the flesh. A relationship. Not an excuse for the flesh. I want to let that sink in for a minute. A relationship. Not an excuse for the flesh. Now, are there going to be times when you use grace as an excuse for the flesh? As you grow up. And here's the thing. It's not going to change the way God feels about you. It's not going to change the way I feel about you or anybody feels about you. Because learn how to navigate freedom is different. You can't mature without freedom. You know, the purpose of being a parent is to raise adults. If Ethan at 16 had the same level of rules that Eli has on at four, how I many you know Ethan's never going to grow up? Because he doesn't know how to handle freedom. Then turns 18 and, and these kids lose their minds because they don't know how to handle freedom. They got to have freedom. And in order to grow up as a believer, you got to have freedom. Amen. And so that I may know him. Now, turn to Romans chapter 8, please. And we're going to continue to talk about this for a minute because if the enemy can't, can't keep you from being saved, he wants to contain you in legalism, and then he wants to try to wrap grace around you and remove you from relationship with the Lord. And once again, the purpose of grace and righteousness is so that you can have relationship with the Lord. Amen. Amen. How I many you know your mistakes doesn't cause God to stop loving you or wanting to talk to you? I've had the presence of God come on me right in the middle of a mistake. It's hard to make a mistake when the presence of God's on you. See, under legalism, we're taught you make a mistake and God turns his back and God leaves. Well, it's a whole lot easier to sin now because God's not with me. How I many of you know that's garbage? While you're sinning, he's still here, he don't leave. You're united to Him. And so what it does is, and you know what He's saying to you? I love you. You're better than this. And how I many know if you can receive the love of a Father in the midst of your failure, you won't stay there long. You'll rise up out of it. Can I get an amen? And so, um, and that's where sin sets you free. Excuse me. That's where grace sets you free from the dominion of sin. It's harder to sin against love than it is against anger. When you think somebody's mad at you, it's easy to get mad at them. But when somebody won't stop loving you, it's really, eventually your rebellion wears dry. I'm a perfect example of that. And so in Romans chapter 1, it says, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, 
It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did, sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, on account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. For what the law could not do, and it was weak through the flesh. Now, when you think flesh, I don't want you to just think your physical body. When you think flesh, you know, and, and I think a great example of this, because how many of you know this body is going to be redeemed? How many of you are going to get an immortal body? Amen? That's like the last part. You already got a born-again spirit, your soul's being renewed, and then you're going to get this new body. But like, anybody ever had a splinter in their hand before? Right? How many of you know there's wood in you, but the wood is not you? This is the greatest way I, I can, 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 can understand this. How many of you know you have flesh, but it's not who you are? Fle- How many of you know the, the carnal mind or the flesh always wants to do what's wrong? Always wants to do what's dumb, always wants to make a mistake. Okay? But that's not who you are. Y'all hear me today. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. How many of you know you're born again, you're a child of God, and you want to do what's right? But let me take it a step further. Your flesh is not only that, but it's also your effort. Christianity is not supposed to be performed in your effort and your willpower. Could anybody willpower their way and keep the law? Not one. Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God. The best under the old covenant, maybe King David, man after God's own heart. How many of you know David stood to the Ten Commandments and failed miserably? Probably broke most, if not all of them. Probably broke all of them, really. Why? Because willpower can't do it. So your will can't make you act right. Have y'all noticed that? See, we know that as people that are, are embracing the grace of God. The legalists are still running around the mountain. And you know how they alleviate the, the condemnation that's on them? They point fingers at everybody else. All they do is condemn everybody else. Why? So they make themselves feel better about what they do. They're going to pick out what's wrong in somebody else, knowing they've got 15 skeletons in their own closet that they're ignoring. I mean, you know, the best way to hide your own junk is to point out someone else's blame. That's how legalism operates. They, divide, they bite and devour one another. So willpower can't do it. What can do it? It says, for the law could not, for what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, through man's ability. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Here it is. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. What is that saying, Jeremiah? If I can, through relationship with the Lord, be spirit led, allow God to lead me. I mean, God's not going to make you do anything. He won't make you. He'll invite you. Now, he'll, he'll compel you. And he's got his ways. But he'll never make you do anything. Because here's the thing. If he made you do it, it wouldn't mean nothing. I mean, he could make everyone on earth obey him right now. In a second's time, he's that powerful. He created everything. But he doesn't want that. He wants them to choose him. You know, notice there are two trees in the garden. How many of you know he gave them the option of not choosing him? If he didn't give them the option of not choosing him, then their choice would have meant nothing because they just would have been robots. God wants your free will. I want the same thing for my kids. I don't want to make my kids obey. I want my kids to want to obey. I want their heart, not the forced hand of their obedience. 
And so it says here that the righteous requirement of the law may fill us who walk according to the, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit in a place of relationship. How many of the Spirit of God will lead you to surpass the Ten Commandments? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Now, how many of the Ten Commandments tells me not to commit adultery? But the Ten Commandments can't make me love my wife. How many of just not committing adultery is not really enough for a good marriage? You cannot commit adultery and hate each other. But you're too scared of going to hell, so you don't commit adultery. Or you're too scared of the wrath of God or too scared of your wife. <laughs> Whatever. But how many know that's not a happy marriage? Right? But how many know the Spirit of God will teach me how to love my wife the way that God loves me? And how many know that will not only keep me from committing adultery, it will cause me to, to have relationship with my wife? See where the Spirit will go beyond the requirements of the law out of a place of relationship? How many know the Ten Commandments tell me not to steal? But how many know they can't make me want to give? See, the Spirit of God not only, see, the Spirit of God will put a desire in you to give. And you want to give to people and help people and love people. And as you do, it feels so good. It's the best feeling in the world to bless people. Oh, it's, so, it's the secret to happiness. Don't live for yourself. Live for something greater than yourself. Serve in love. Jesus said, happy are you if you do these things. I'm learning this afresh and new in my life right now. I'm looking to serve wherever I'm at. Anywhere I'm at, I want to serve. And it makes me happy. It makes me happier than living for myself. I want to serve my wife. I want to serve my kids. I want to serve you. I want to serve the people at the bank. I want to serve the people at Kroger. I want to get a door for somebody. I want to help somebody. Not because I'm trying to climb a ladder, because I'm at the top with Jesus. And God's and, and like as I do it and the love flows through me, I'm happy. Like I'm enjoying my life. I'm enjoying the simple things in my life. I'm at the gym and oh, you need help with that? Let me help you with that. Because it's up out of a place of love. And this is like the secret. How many know the greatest among you will be servant of all? Serving out of love, man. Woo! It's it's living. It's living. It's not weak. It's powerful. Yes, I'm not serving because I'm scared. I'm not serving because I'm afraid of somebody or I feel weak. I mean, you can serve like that. Yep. People can be all just so insecure that they're constantly. No, I'm serving out of a place of power. I'm serving. I'm choosing to serve. You know what I'm saying? I don't have to, but I'm going to because God loves me. It's so, it's so cool. It's so fun. And so anyway, the Spirit... Not only lead me not to steal, he'll lead me to give. How I many know not only the Ten Commandments will tell me not to take the Lord's name in vain, but how I many know it can't make me want to worship the Lord? So what I'm showing you is out of a place of relationship, we're going to go way past the Ten Commandments. You know what I'm saying? We're going to go so far past it. And and because the Spirit, because I'm not doing it in my willpower. I'm not trying really hard to love everybody. I'm just letting God love me. And when the opportunity to get my cup filled up, I'm the, hey, fill me up. I'm not enough. I need you. I mean, you were designed like that. I was designed like that. We need him. But, it, but, if, but if, we let, if we receive an abundance of grace and we receive this gift of righteousness and we learn how to breathe it in like oxygen, we'll reign in life. You'll overcome. You'll win. In the dark days that are on the earth, I'm not going to succumb to this age. I'm not going to bow down to it. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to be afraid of it. I'm not bowing down to it. I'm not going to live angry. I'm not going to live offended. I'm not going to live scared. I'm going to reign in life. I'm going to live in days of heaven on the earth. Because God said I can. 
I'm not, I'm not doing it. We're born for this. You were chosen to live in this time. You didn't live in another time. You chose in this time. You're special. You're different. Put your shoulders back. Spring in your step. Not willpower. God loves you. You are more than a conqueror through Him that loves you. The more you understand His love, the more you're going to overcome. But you've got to keep hearing it. Because if you don't hear it regularly, you'll forget it or you just stop believing it. Because you're created with a leak. You're created to need Him. Amen. Praise God. It is, man. It is. Like, this isn't just, this is my life. Like, I'm not just preaching a sermon. This, this is, I want this for my family. You know what I'm saying? I want this for my wife. I want this for my kids. I want this for you. I want this for whoever wants it. It's here, man. It's a narrow path. I know it's not the majority. We're the minority of the minority. I don't care anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't care. Amen. Jesus is better than the accolades of men. I count everything else but done. Give me Christ. He, he's, he's enough. He's worth it. Amen. So anyway, so drop down to verse to Romans chapter 8 and verse 12, and we'll continue here. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. You're not a debt to, to your willpower. It's not what's going to get things done. If you live, listen, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I mean, that's strong words. What does that mean? That means if you're doing this stuff in your willpower, you're going to get burnt out. I don't think I've ever been more miserable than trying to love people in my own strength. It's the hardest thing in the world to do. It makes you want to give up and walk away from God and think there's something wrong with you. And the reason it's like that is because you are not, you can't do it in the flesh. You can't do it in your self-effort and your willpower. You can't. Your failure is like the beginning place of grace. And, and it's okay to fail over and over again. Because when you've, here's what I found out. When I fail again, listen, this world is, it's too hard for us. We can't do it. But like, he'll do it through us if we humble ourselves and let him and, and, and allow him to do it through us. Y'all tracking me here? So fresh failure is not a bad thing. I just found an area where I was doing something in my own strength. Fail as a husband, fail as a father, fail as a daughter, fail as a, 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 a wife, fail as a mother. Failure's okay, because you know what? It shows you where it was you. I mean, you are not enough. I don't care how strong you are, I don't care how great your willpower is, you're not enough. His strength is made perfect in our weakness, not in our victory. We walk humbly. Amen? And so... If you live according to flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What does that mean? How many of the Spirit of God won't lead you into temptation? How many of the Spirit of God, how many of there's sometimes when, when you get a little, don't say that, don't do that, don't go there, don't watch that. What's happening? God is trying to set you free from you having a bout of carnality with your flesh and where you hurt yourself and hurt those around you. Now, if you have a bout of carnality with your flesh, God still loves you. He's not going to give up on you. He knows who you are. He knows that's not who you are. But how many of you can spare yourself some pain and those around you some pain by letting the Spirit of God lead you? 
in a place of relationship, in a place of forgiveness. And then he goes on to say, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. This is relationship. That word for sons, not your average, average, there's two different words for sons. This is the word weos in the Greek, excuse me, and it means matured. What is this? This is someone who is under the canopy of God's amazing grace, has developed a place of relationship to where when God leads them, they trust Him. Can, can you get an amen? I mean, we're to lean not to our own understanding, but acknowledge the Lord in all of our ways so that He'll direct our path. The ultimate goal of the new covenant is to not be law-led, not be pastor-led, it's to be spirit-led. Because the Spirit of God knows how to do everything that you're doing better than you know. And knows how to do it better than your pastor knows how to do it, knows, knows better how to do it than the law knows how to do it. Because the law can't empower you, it can only demand from you. But the Spirit of God, He'll lead you in everything. I can't stress that enough. From, I mean, the, from the most mundane activity in your life to the most important decision you have, the Spirit of God will lead you if you learn how to navigate that presence or absence of peace and just that unction. Just the unction. God unctions you to go talk to somebody, go talk to them. God unctions you to pray for somebody, go pray for them. Sometimes it's an unction. Sometimes it's a desire. You just want to. He'll write the desires on your heart. Like I have a time where I just I want to bless somebody. That's the Lord leading you. You know what I'm saying? If, you, if there's a desire to do it, that's God writing His laws on your heart. Amen? But how many know these things happen in a place of relationship? How many know that I... i got to keep reading. Okay, turn to Galatians chapter 5. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be in the close right there. But what I want to show you is don't let the enemy rob you of relationship in the name of grace. The whole purpose of grace is relationship. Amen? But listen to me. It's happened to me before. I've been under the concept of grace and let my flesh run crazy. And it messes me up. Messes my life up. It ain't God's will. It's my will. I've been there. I've done that. And I think it's, an, it's important for me as, as, you know, as a person to just say that. It's easy to do. But like this place, it, you sitting down with Jesus under the canopy of grace, this, that's the sweet spot, man. Ah, life comes from here, man. So Galatians chapter 5, and it says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, freedom. Only do not use your liberty as an occasion for the flesh. We've been talking about this the whole time, haven't we? But through love, serve one another. Amen. I mean, you're free to do whatever you want. But then love comes in and it's like, love serves. I was just talking about that a second ago. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you, divide, if you bite and devour one another, beware that you be not consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I mean, I was talking about relationship. 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 God's never going to lead you to sin. Right? 
God's, not, God's never going to lead you to sin. In a place of relationship, God's going to lead you not to sin. But listen, once again, the focus is, isn't on do I sin or don't sin. The focus is on relationship. Amen. We spent way too much time talking about sin in the church. No, talk about Jesus. Put your eyes on Jesus and you'll lose the taste for sin. The example. How I many you know that when we drove here today, we didn't drive here stay, staring at the ditch trying to stay out of the ditch? If you drove to church today and your focus was the ditch and all you stared at was the ditch and thought about the ditch, then you probably were real close to the ditch the whole time. As I taught my 16-year-old how to drive, I didn't tell him, I didn't, all I talked about was the ditch. I talked about the, look straight ahead, the front of the road. Look at Jesus. You'll lose the desire for sin. And you'll stay out of the ditch. We should be preaching Jesus, not sin in the church. Now, I'm not saying there's not time to declare what's right and what's wrong. Can I get an amen? I mean, we got to talk about that stuff because of the day and age that we live in because they're trying to flip all that. Right's still right and wrong's still wrong, but I didn't come here to talk about what's wrong with you or what's wrong with me. I came here to talk about Jesus. When, I, when he's magnified, we're all edified. And you end up staying out of the ditch, and you ain't even trying to. Y'all tracking me here? It's the difference, man. It's the difference. And so, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. What does that mean? There's a splinter in there that's trying to get you to be dumb, but it's not you. Right? It's important to understand that. But it's still there. That's why you can't trust it. It's untrustworthy. And so until you develop relationships strong enough to keep you out of the temptation, you may have to set some boundaries to keep your flesh from acting up. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many know for some people the best place they can end up is jail? I used to be one of those people. When, I, when, when God got me in jail, it was a good place. Why? Because my flesh was so crazy, I couldn't control me, nobody could control me, and I was trying to kill me. And I needed all my liberty taken away because I couldn't handle it. But you know, how, but you know today, it's not like that. I have freedom. How I many of you know the man in the Gadarenes was wrapped in chains because his flesh was out of control with demons? But when he sat down and spent some time with Jesus, they took all the chains off of him because the man had been set free. He didn't need to be chained any longer. But as you learn how to develop a relationship with the Lord, you may have to put some parameters on your flesh until you can mature. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Yeah. Amen. I keep trying to get my family to do this with sweets. I'm like, y'all got to get this stuff out of the house, man. They're like, just have self-control. I'm like, I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to have self-control. Praise God. You know? I can't even tell you how many times I've eaten my son's cookies this past week. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't buy cookies for me. I buy, I buy cookies for him, but then I eat his cookies, and I got to go buy his cookies. <laughs> Again, because I can't be the dad that eats the cookies and don't repay the cookies, right? And Eli looked at me and said, Dad, why don't you just buy two bags? I'm like, I'm not there yet, son. <laughs> try it. Try it. You know what I'm saying? Praise God. I'm just not. You know? I mean, you know, when I came out of the lifestyle I came out of, I didn't need to be three weeks later ministering in the crack house. 
I need to be there. Why? I'm not ready. Am I born again? Yeah. Am I a child of God? Yeah. Do I have self-control and that stuff? No. But you know now you can send me to crack house and I'll preach the gospel and I'm not even tempted. You understand what I'm saying? Because there's a development of relationship in that area. And so there's some places where you can't trust your flesh. Amen. You know, like... Yeah, you can't put no confidence in the flesh. You know, just like my son, my, my 16-year-old, let me whisper him and stuff. Like, I love him and I trust him and I trust him and I trust him and I trust him, but I'm not going to leave him alone with the girl in his room by himself with the door shut because I know. Oh, yeah, does God love him? Yeah, is he born again? Yeah, but his flesh is crazy. And hers probably is too. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's certain things like you just put no confidence in the flesh. Amen. I'm not going to sit down and, and counsel a woman by myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're, I mean, they're just smart things to do. Can I get an amen? I mean, they're just things you don't do. And you have to have wisdom, right? And it doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you still got a splinter. But the, the splinter will be removed. In heaven, ain't nobody struggling with sin. And, and nobody struggling with sickness or disease or none of that. Why? Because everything, the game's over at that point. So, but while you're down here, you're putting a... But you can develop relationship to the point where you can handle some freedom. Everybody tracking me here? How many of you can be spirit-led in one area of your life and not in another? Someone be super spirit-led in their finances and not spirit-led at all in their marriage. Someone be super uh, spirit-led in their marriage and not be spirit-led at all in, with their children. But how many know God says, I'll, I'll come in and lead you in whatever you're going to let me lead you in? Amen. But whatever we want to maintain control of, and we're still doing it in the flesh, we get flesh's results. The greatest thing that I have ever learned is that I can't do anything at all, anything without the Lord. Nothing. That is the greatest revelation you can ever have. Because you're no longer wise in your own eyes and you can receive wisdom. And I don't even feel bad about it. I was designed to be rescued. I'm a sheep. You're a sheep. We need a shepherd. We are. Well, it's true. We are. We need Jesus. I'm okay with that. That's, he likes it like that. How I many know I'm not the hero? He is. How I many know you're not the hero? He is. Let him be the hero. He's the rescuer. He's the mighty man. Now, he'll do cool stuff through us, but don't forget where it came from. It came from him. Amen? And so it says, um, Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so you do not do the things that you want. How many others of that battle? But if you are led by the spirit, relationship, you are not under the law. Now, these are the quickly, these are the works of the flesh. This is what your flesh wants to do. Not who what you want to do, what that little splinter wants to do. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contention, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, dissension, heresy, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of the which I tell you before, just as I have told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is not an issue of salvation. This is an issue of functioning in the kingdom. When I'm in the flesh and I'm operating in this stuff, I'm not in a place of relationship and the kingdom's not flowing through me. But what I also have to realize is these things aren't me. 
they're a symptom of earth. So when these things are happening, what do I got to do? I got to step back under the canopy and get back into a place of relationship so I can hear God when he tells me not to run my mouth and get mad at somebody. Or any of these things that I just mentioned. Some of these things, we know what they are, and some of them, we probably have no idea what that is, you know? But if you look at it in the Greek, it's all just flesh, right? Now, this is who you are. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What do you, how many you know that's actually who you are? That's what you have. You're not trying to get it. It's already in there. I'm sorry if I'm preaching a little bit long, but I need to finish this. I need to finish this. It says, and it goes, so that's who I am. That other stuff, not who we are. When you see that stuff going on, you got, number one, you're still forgiven. Can I get an amen? You must never let go of forgiveness because when you let go of forgiveness, you try to pay for your own sin and you bury yourself deeper in condemnation. No, you're forgiven. You're still under the canopy. The sin's not being imputed to you. <coughs> but there will be death. Yep. It'll jack stuff up. Yep. It'll put you in jail. Yep. You can die early. I'll tell you what, I had the most amazing experience at the, at the shelter. I was preaching at the shelter the other day, and I just want to share this quickly. And I was preaching, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of God came on me really strong. And I started preaching about... Uh, if you hang out with the wrong people, God wants to protect you from the wrong people. And if you hang out with the wrong people, your life could end early. And I know those are strong words. And, and, and it kept going and going and going, and it kept getting bigger and bigger. And finally, I just knew who the word was for, and I just walked over to this girl, and I started praying for her. I said, this is from the Lord to you. God wants to separate you from some people in your life. She's a believer. She's saved. I said, because if you, if you continue to hang out with those people, it's going to kill you. That, I mean, that's a strong prophetic word. You don't say that to anybody. But I couldn't help it. I was overwhelmed by the Spirit. And, and uh, God wasn't going to make me do it, but it was like fire in my bones. Well, she bust out in tears and started crying. I prayed for her. She came up to me, and what had happened, she'd gotten saved in the shelter. I may have even led her to the Lord. I'm not sure. She had gotten saved in the shelter, but then she had left the shelter and spent about three weeks out on the streets. And she OD'd three times. Almost died. Now, what, 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 what was that? I was a loving father. Yeah. Father God was coming in on one of his sons saying, look, I need my daughter to know. I love her, but if she does that again, it might kill her. I, can't ha I don't want her to die early. How I many of she could have died early and went to heaven? Would it have been the will of God? No. Would she have been forgiven in her drug overdose state? Yes. Was she still a child of God? Yes. Was she going to crack up on heaven? Yes. Because the cross is that powerful. Just because you fail or fall doesn't change who you are. We missed it as a church when we try to look at somebody and judge them because they've fallen into something. Amen. Praise God. Suicide's not final. People, people take their lives, man, because they're, they're in a place of mental illness. But they're still a child of God. I know people quote all kinds of scriptures, try to say otherwise. I don't agree with that at all. We don't fault somebody for dying for cancer. Why are we going to fault somebody for dying for being sick in the brain? I've been near suicide before. I know what that's like. No, 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 no. What God has done in you is greater than what the enemy can do. What God has done in you is greater than what the enemy can do. Amen? And so, but 
But, but like, God was letting her know, sweetheart, that happens again, you might die. Why? Because he loves her. Now, what was happening? The flesh. The carnality. Was she still forgiven? Yes. Was she still under grace? Yes. Was she about to destroy her life? Yes. What got forfeited? Relationship. Listen, when you're in relationship with the Lord, you're not going to be doing that stuff. Seriously. When you're in relationship with the Lord. Relationship. God's speaking. Now, you're going to make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. We're not talking about walking perfect. Okay, You're going to make mistakes. But I'll tell you what the Lord speaks to me. It says, those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Practice. You know what the Spirit of God has spoken to me before when I've been in, in a series of mistakes? Practice makes perfect. <laughs> oh, I say, yes, Lord. I mean, it's one thing to slip, but it's another thing to practice it and practice it and practice it till it becomes a stronghold. And he'd be like, practice makes perfect. I'd be like, I ain't trying to hear that. Just <laughs> being honest. Yes. Big difference. Slip up's a slip up. But man, if you if you practice it enough, how I many you can do it enough to where the spirit of God will leave you alone about it? And you and you'll you'll hear you'll hear him maybe in some other areas, but that one area you won't hear him. Why? Because you shut him out. Now listen, you're still under grace, he still loves you, you're still the child of God, you're still the righteousness of God, but you're not enjoying the abundant life like he has for you. I mean, you know, when, when, the, when the prodigal was eating the pig slop, God's like, I got better for you than this, man. This is not who you are. Enemy's always trying to serve us pig slop. Trying to tell us it's life. It's lies, man. Anyway, so we'll finish right here. And so, if we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. I mean, you know, you're in the Spirit because you're born again. But it's a decision to walk in the Spirit. It's a decision to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. I, that's it, man. That's it. I'm done. So, anyway, I felt like this was just a real important word. And, you know, for us here, but also for people watching online. And, and um, if anyone is, has fallen into this trap um, of allowing the enemy to use the concept of grace against you to rob you of relationship. I just want to pray for you right now. And, um, and, but, but all of this teaching is really to reveal to you what's been happening. You know, um, Because, I mean, you can just kind of get in it and you don't really realize it. The reason people get caught up in all this stuff, A, well, the number one thing is they've forgotten who they are. What are you talking about, Jeremy? Let's go back through that list again. Here's this list. How many know that as a child of God, you're not an adulterer? As a child of God, you're not a fornicator. You're not unclean. You're not lewd. You're not an idolater. You don't operate in sorcery. You're not a hateful person. You're not contentious. You're not jealous. You're not a, you're not a drunk. You're not a murderer. How many know the list goes on and on? That's not who you are. The reason that people of God get caught up in that stuff is they've forgotten their identity. So the gospel is going to bring your identity but, but not only just identity, but bring you back to a place of relationship. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you that you bring them back to a place of relationship. Just like the prodigal son came back to the father with a works mentality. Lord, you removed that works mentality and brought back their value 
and brought them back to a place of fellowship, seated at the Father's table. Lord, I just thank you for that. Thank you for bringing them back to that place of relationship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God.